Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk Leadership podcast, The Culture Edit Reloaded. I'm Sandra Patel, founder and CEO of Transition Partners. This season, I'm flying solo as I sit down with international leaders to discuss their leadership journeys and how they have embedded a thriving and positive culture. Hello and welcome back to our Let's Talk Leadership podcast, The Culture Edit. My name is Sandra Patel and I'm delighted to be recording today. I would love to welcome Abdo Wapper, who is Chief Product Officer at Offerista Group, um, who is known for bringing a wealth of product management experience in various industries. Um, Hi, Abdo. Hi, Sandra. How are you? Good. I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. Good, good. I've got a little bit tongue-tied there with (laughs) trying to pronounce your name correctly and then the company name. Um, But I'm sure sure you'll be mentioning it a few times during this chat so um, the listeners will know how to pronounce things correctly. Um, So it'd be really interesting, I think, initially to um, just set a bit of context um, so if you could just give us a little bit of background in terms of how you got to the level that you're, you know, how your career all started, how it began really, and how you got to where you are today. Sure. I started back in, I guess, 2007, 2006. Okay. Um, where I finished my studies in computer engineering mm-hmm. and I jumped into a role that coincidentally happened to be a product management role. It wasn't even called that back then. Right. Uh, and it wasn't even sought after or glamorous or really shiny and cool as it is now. Yeah, no, it wasn't, was it? Because I've, I've been in the industry for 20 years and yeah, it wasn't at all back then. What was it called? What was the role called? The role was called the uh, technical marketing engineer. All right. Okay. Yeah, just obscure name for, you know, it's it's a weird name, but yeah. but essentially it was a product manager role. Okay. And I started it in in the software industry, in the automotive and aerospace industry, mm-hmm. where I was responsible for. You know, I was working on a product that helped design wiring harnesses for cars and planes. Mm-hmm. And back then was also coinciding with the wave of agile and Scrum being starting to be popular starting to be some sort of a movement. Now it's a default, but back then it was still a movement. Yeah. And I've had the good fortune of witnessing the transformation from waterfall to agile in the very early days of their existence. Then I worked there for a few years. Then I moved to the oil and gas industry where I also did some product management, but I Mm -hmm. moved a step closer to sales and business development. Oh, interesting. To learn more about how to manage customers, how, you know, the pressure that salespeople are under to deliver on their targets, and also to have a closer relationship with the customers and how they actually make value or make, mm-hmm. you know, get the value out of whatever we sell them. Um, I was still responsible for a product. I was specialized in the chemical process simulation industry. I worked with software there, but I also worked with engineering services and doing engineering for chemical processes and so on. Mm -hmm. Then I founded my own company uh, back in Egypt, where I 
was born and raised. And it was a, a company that offered an Arabic audiobooks app for the Arabic speaking region. Right. There are roughly 350 to 400 million Arabic speaking people all over the world. And back then there was, there, there were no Arabic audiobooks. The, there yeah. was no audiobooks industry for Arabic books, not even books on tape or on CD or whatever. And with back then as well, it was the emergence of apps after the iPhone has you know, radically shifted the industry towards using apps and Android yeah. was recent. And even back then, you know, Nokia phones were still popular and widely mm-hmm. spread and we had to create an app for that phone. But luckily we didn't have to do that for long because their demise in this field was very, very rapid in that time. Mm-hmm. And I started the idea from, from nothing, grew it to hundreds of thousands of active users monthly and millions mm-hmm. of minutes. Uh, and, you know, like idea, funding, startup, the whole, the whole nine yards, uh, idea, funding, team building, uh, running the operations, running the strategy. What uh, size did you grow it to? Grew to 40, 50 people, I guess. Back wow. then. And also back then we, we did remote work before it mm-hmm. was a thing mm-hmm. uh, because the audio narrators, they would work from home by design because yeah. we needed to be innovative because everybody who, again, back then, everyone who wanted to do some some audio production they immediately thought mm-hmm. studio i need to go to a studio to record in mm-hmm. the studio well i was adamantly opposed to this idea because it would ruin the unit economics of the company and we had to come up with an innovative way to make people able to do audio production at home yeah and when we did that we were able to tap into a segment of people to do narration and audio production that was never tapped into, which was mothers, <laughs> you know, mothers at home who have just had kids and mm-hmm. uh, you know, put their career on hold for a while, who were highly educated, they were able to do that. And uh, we tapped into this and, and they all worked remotely before even remote work was a thing. This is like, I don't know, 2012, 13. Yeah. Um, then I uh, sat down from running the operations in my startup and moved to the telecom industry where I worked a bit with a telecom company, not a, not a telecom operator, but a value added services company, which is basically a company that works very closely with the telecom company, providing it with infrastructure and, and, and services. And this company needed to shift away a little bit strategically from the tele- mm-hmm. from its reliance on the telecom operators. And I will, I joined so that I can help them launch products that are telecom related, telecom adjacent and telecom mm-hmm. independent. And that's what I did. Uh, they had a bunch of ideas here and there. So I took those ideas, studied them, created the business plan for them. Either decided we move forward with them and we moved forward with them and then launched them, hired the product managers for them or we killed them and we move on with other ideas. And I launched Mm -hmm. a couple of products there with them. Um, Some of them are still being sold as we speak. This is like, I don't know, seven seven years ago or something. Yeah. And uh, we launched a a bunch of products related to tech, uh, mobile auctioning, like auctioning through text messages because it's text messaging is highly popular in Africa and Asia. 
and we also did uh, people something like people and culture evaluate like performance evaluation software a SaaS software mm-hmm. we did that sold to a large group a large company group um, we did something related to GIS uh, road traffic analysis using weird data mm-hmm. <laughs> and using telecom data basically and it was a lot of fun um, then I moved to Berlin where I worked in the hotel tech space a little bit uh, on was that the, the job or was it sorry some, what was the reason you moved to Berlin yeah, was the that job. I wanted to move uh, to okay. Berlin so I found the job and moved yeah. using the job to Berlin yeah. and I worked in the hotel tech space where I worked on a software. I led the product team there and product and development yeah. team there uh, to basically enable hotels to get more, better, authentic reviews on their platforms of choice and also monitor whatever is being said about them, basically mm-hmm. their online reputation, which then evolved into managing the whole guest experience from pre-booking during stay and post stay and then then i left this company and joined offerista group where i am currently the chief product officer and what we do is essentially we enable large retailers to drive people to go to their stores using digital marketing products Big words, essentially it means the following. Retailers have been relying on offers to get people into their stores. Yeah. For the pa- and this has been the case for the past hundred years or so. Yeah. And this will probably continue to be the case for the next foreseeable future. Only the medium has changed. Yeah. So in the past 20 years, the medium they have been relying on heavily and reliably was paper, paper mm. brochures that are basically dropped into the post, the, phys- the physical yeah, post yeah. It's obviously all digital now, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And uh, which in the past five years, I guess, was basically, they ended up being thrown in the trash. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> now they have been doing this for the past 20 odd years, and it has been very, very reliable, empirically very reliable. If they have those campaigns there is 20 20 to 35 percent uplift in the revenue of their in their stores if uh-huh. they stop them this uplift goes down the revenue goes down and now the print brochures or the print medium for offers is becoming less economic like it's becoming more and more not economic at all and what we are doing is basically creating digital alternatives plural for that and because and and it's plural because usually digital diversifies if you if you look at for example text communication even short text communication started maybe as telegrams once upon a time you know go to to the post office maybe you and i haven't really experienced that that much but it started like that but now if you look at your phone you have at least two or three text messaging apps at the yeah. very least. Yeah. yeah. 
I'm I think I have seven. out there, isn't there? Oh, yeah, I've got, yeah, don't know how many. Um, exactly. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, um, really, really impressive background, um, you know, to, uh, f you know, having your own idea and setting up your own um, business, um, going through all that funding and everything, it, you know, I can't, can't imagine how um, difficult that was. And um, so you've got some, yeah, great, great experiences. I'm sure there's been a lot of things that you've, um, learned from that journey as well that you you know potentially do differently um so it'd be really good to talk more in detail now around kind of um you know your leadership style um about um people and values and and that sort of thing so um sure. that's what we really love sharing on these podcasts so um let's um i think let's start off with more about the current business um offerista um you know what what would you say that the the core values are that the company lives by currently the company has a very specific set of core values that i personally identify with a lot mm -hmm. um, one of them is rationality we need to be we try to be rational we try to love data and make our decisions based on evidence mm -hmm. as much as we can rather than feelings and opinions yeah. obviously not very easy and it's a it's a moving goalpost obviously mm -hmm. and, but that's the good thing about this value is it always leaves room for improvement no matter how rational you think you are you have to do more yeah. second value that i identify a lot with is responsibility i tend to be this kind of person who basically if no one else is going to do this thing i'm going to pick it up and do it Mm -hmm. If people shy away from something, I tend to be the person who says, okay, if, you know, <laughs> I'm going to do it. Yeah. Um, that accountability piece, isn't it? And just yeah, exactly. getting it done. Exactly. Yeah. The next value is ambition. Mm -hmm. And you cannot really be in this company if you're not ambitious. We set ambitious goals for ourselves. We are really trying to make a very big impact this this mm -hmm. thing with shifting those print budgets and convincing the retailers that digital is the way it is a very ambitious goal it's not mm -hmm. easy sounds easy sounds you know like a no-brainer but you have to imagine that the retailers you know have been doing this for 20 years which it's means mindset isn't it yeah exactly it's a mindset yeah. you know it, imagine you are a marketing director at a big retailer 20 years ago this is when you started your career yeah? Yeah, yeah so there are there are marketing directors and i completely understand them there are marketing directors who have never seen the world without print brochures without yeah. this being their medium and this being the, their way of securing that they deliver on their targets yeah? and you're all of a sudden trying to convince them that okay this is not going to work anymore you know it's not easy and I truly, no. truly empathize and understand where they're coming from. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I still get those print brochures. Still get yeah. them every now and then. I still get them. Just like they just yeah. go straight in the bin. And exactly. I just and I always and I always think, what a waste of paper. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, with the generational shift, uh, you know, generational shift in in purchasing power. Yeah. This is this is the natural evolution of this, you know. Yeah, it goes absolutely. from the post box to the bin immediately. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um Which, fantastic. Yeah. 
great uh, great set of values particularly love the um the ambition um one and i think that's you know it's great to kind of live and breathe that as a business and a, as a business is is growing um which i think can sometimes be difficult to ensure that you're always ensuring that you've got those right people that live by those values um you know and obviously that massively affects the culture then as well that you cultivate um what would you say that the company's approach is to like team building and career development we invest a lot in team building and career development we (laughs) have a framework for career development that we are very proud of it's called we call it the growth growth trails okay and it accounts for the growth of people who want to be people managers and also the growth of people who want to be individual contributors like expert yeah. individual contributors and this is something that is not common in companies in our domain or our size usually you find it in companies that are maybe 500 600 plus people mm. where you know there is room for that but what size are you we are right now we are 150 plus and in yeah. a few hours we will be <laughs> much more <laughs> because there is uh, news of acquisition coming up next oh wow yes amazing um, ha- having said that this is this is really not something that is quite common you know mm. in a lot of companies you either become a people manager or you stay as you are and there's no real progression but this track that we call the expert the expert track offers people a chance to keep doing what they're doing but become wicked players in that you know they become the best version of themselves in that and they keep improving and we have a sizable amount of people who opted for this Mm -hmm. and they are quite happy and uh, obviously you know the downside is perhaps for the company okay this is someone who's really, really good at their job. They should be a leader, but it also recognizes that leadership is not necessarily something that everyone has or a role that everyone that that is the absolute natural progression for everyone, mm. which I think is something really, really good and really shows a lot of self-awareness on behalf of the company, on the part of the company. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and what do you do around team building? We do the usual, of course, you know, people getting together, doing some fun stuff together, but mm-hmm. we also invest a lot of time in managing storming. You know, we are very aware that storming happens and it will happen. And as management and as part of the leadership training that any lead gets is basically that to expect storming and lean into it yeah yeah not only okay storming is really annoying and we don't want it or we have to swallow it or whatever no we should lean into it because this is really the the phase where people can work out their differences and move forward and i cannot remember how many storming phases or conflicts i have mediated in the Mm -hmm. company without it being even a nuisance or an annoyance to me Mm. i expect it and i go in calmly and say listen guys this is us storming and that's okay 
So yeah. let's work out our differences. I know the emotions are high and we have to manage that and so on. But then we mediate it, we get out of it, and every time, almost every time, we get, about, get out of it much better than we entered. And becomes a good basis for that. One of the things that, you know, given remote work and you work on all this trend is, for me, it's super imp I don't really care where people work from, <coughs> honestly. Yeah. However, if people choose to work remotely, then we have to meet frequently in person mm -hmm. in the same location for some period of time. Even if it's just us in the same office for five days in a row working, not necessarily doing something special, but just working from the office. Yeah, yeah. This, this really makes a big difference. And I learned that in my first job because I used to work with it from the office in Egypt, but my team or the people I worked with were based in Manchester, in Newbury, in France, in India, and in Germany. So yeah. no one on my team was in the same physical location. Yeah. In order for that to work, we had to rotate, we had to visit each other and meet each other, you know, face to face. Um, because, you know, sometimes the distance creates some cold, some coldness, some, you know, some, uh, I don't know, emotional distance as well. And you see, oh, yeah, it's just, I mean, just getting together, it just, it does, it, it brings you to, together, doesn't it? it you know, it allows yeah, exactly. you to more collaboratively and um, closer together. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, when, when you're frustrated because of people, you know, oh my God, this dude, I mean, did this thing again, I want to punch him in the face. <laughs> but when you see him, okay, you know what, I was frustrated. I don't want yeah. to punch him in the face anymore. He's nice. Yeah, yeah, I can, yeah. you know, and this, this kind of thing, it, it, yeah, it's like absolutely. starting the emotion back and we thrive and we pride we um pride we thrive off other people as well um yeah. so it's really important as well isn't it to create that buzz and that atmosphere um when you're working with your team um and it, it's really difficult to do that remotely we you know you said you were um you had people um working remotely before all this sort of happened before covid we were the same and you know but we predominantly wanted everyone in the office um, and i think there's still real benefits um, and advantages of that um cool whilst we're still talking about people um it'd be good to go through um and share um your process around giving feedback so i think that's always a challenging one for yes people. I love feedback. I love receiving it. I love giving it. Mm. I, I mean, I have a process. First, there's an observation phase. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It depends on the situation itself, but I have to notice a pattern. If it's a one-off situation and it's okay, like a small thing, like, I don't know, someone came in late for a meeting once, doesn't warrant feedback. It's fine. It's just once. Yeah. Twice is a coincidence. Three times is a pattern. Yeah? And then when this happens, I, I'm a big fan of using templates, mm -hmm. even though it might, some people would say, yeah, but it may not seem authentic and whatnot. But really I'm a big fan of the, the, the template of nonviolent communication. 
or at least a version of it, where I, I say, I observed this, this mm -hmm. made me feel, and I wish that this changes in this direction. Yeah. A lot of labeling has to happen too. You know, I understand that you're not trying to do X. I understand that you, know, you don't have the intention of, you may have a good intention or whatever. Mm -hmm. This is very, very important because it creates a safe space for the people to receive the feedback. Yeah. And, but again, for me, it's very important to, to observe the pattern. Yeah. Obviously, if someone did a big mistake or something once, it warrants feedback and I still follow the same uh, way. Yeah. And one of the things I try to convince people about feedback is that you have to follow a template until it becomes sort of a muscle memory. You can do that without thinking. And my absolute role model in this is Picasso, actually, because before mm -hmm. he started the Cubism movement, which he started mm -hmm. in, I don't know, his mid-20s or late-20s or whatever, he mastered every technique in painting. Mm -hmm. He was an absolute top-level top painter uh, doing the classical things. He would paint portraits, he would paint landscapes, he would do Impressionism, he would do, uh, you know, bespoke paintings of people mm -hmm. and whatever. And he was an absolute master of that skill before he started freestyling. That's why I really believe in templates, you know, first yeah. build the muscle, follow the process, trust the process. And after you're comfortable in it, you can freestyle. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree with that. Um, fantastic. And what, um, in terms of your leadership, um, I think I've got a good, good um, overview of your style now. Um, and so will of our listeners, but I think it'd be really good to understand what leadership principles you live by. Whenever I'm asked this leadership style question, I have a very standard answer. Which is, <laughs> I I follow situational leadership, mm -hmm. the methodology of situational leadership. I've been doing this for over a decade now. And this thing is, it just works. Yeah. yeah. Situational leadership is essentially where you change your style according to the situation of the person mm -hmm. you are leading. And the situation is defined by two variables, competence, the competence of the person in a given task or in a given domain and their confidence in themselves in this given yeah. domain. And this, this framework or this method is, is very, it's quite simple. However, it is very, very powerful in learning as a leader, how to delegate properly and also how to guide the people you are leading. I can talk hours about situational leadership, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure we don't want to fill the podcast with me talking about situational leadership. <laughs> um, I can give you the three lines of it, like the three bullet points. It basically, you start with someone who is not competent in an area and not confident because they're, you know, they're doing this for the first time. And there you give them instructions. Tell, you mm -hmm. tell, you tell what to do. And then when they do it a few times, their confidence grows. They start asking questions. Why shouldn't we do it like this? Why not like that? And then yeah. you sell, you switch to selling and convincing. And then when their competence grows, 
this is the essential point where delegation starts. You know, you give them a bigger project or a bigger task that is bigger than them than than who, how they are now. Yeah, or how they're capable and you tell them that you have their back. Mm-hmm. If they if they succeed, they get the credit. If they fail, I get the blame. Yeah. And this is essentially, you know, where a leader has to overcome themselves, their own threshold of not really wanting to delegate because of the consequences. Yeah. And then when this happens again and again, you can then delegate. Yeah. So this is in a nutshell, the situation leadership. And this is the style I follow. Yeah. Fantastic. Brilliant. Um, what be good to um obviously you've been in leadership roles for like you said over a decade um, i'm sure there's lots of important lessons um that you've learned along along the way along that journey what would you say what's the one kind of key one that you think that you've learned you know maybe more recently in the last few years um that you think would be a work you know a valuable one to share I mean, I learned a lot. I learned a lot of things throughout the years. Mm. The lesson keeps coming back every now and then, and I learn new things about the same lesson. Is basically leadership requires very clear communication. People can see and read through and smell through BS. Yeah. You yeah. cannot really BS the people when from a leadership position. You have to be mm-hmm. really clear in your communication. And also, you have to do it, if you want to be a strong leader, respect it, listen to, you have to do it with a high degree of integrity. Mm-hmm. Because people three see through the BS, and the more you use it, the more your credibility goes down. Yeah, definitely. It's about being authentic, isn't it? Open, yes. honest, authentic. I think that communication piece can be, um, as a leader, um, you know, depending on level as well, is something that it, you continuously need to work on, um, you know, because you've got to communicate, manage upwards and down. Um, and, um, yeah, when, and you've, and as typically at our left as well, we're spinning so many different plates. Um, you know, I do. I do think that within leadership, communication can often suffer. Yes, absolutely. And one thing I I learned recently was the wider the audience, the less the less nuanced your communication has to be. Yeah. Because when you're communicating to a wide audience and you're doing too much hedging, or you're adding too much nuance to your communication, it, it creates large room for interpreting your communication in ways that you mm-hmm. don't intend it to be. Yeah. And you have to focus your communication much, much more and trim a lot of fat and make it less as, as least nuanced as you can. And if you are uncertain about things, you have to you know, go outright and say I am uncertain about those things I don't know it's better than trying to hedge it or do some nuanced communication that's yeah 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 no definitely um 
Fantastic. Um, brilliant. And is there, um, is there anything else that you want to share? Anything, um, I don't know if you want to talk about the acquisition that you mentioned. I, I mean, <laughs> I would urge, <laughs> I would urge the listeners to visit our LinkedIn page. There'll be a lot of information about that. It's a very big acquisition and we are very excited about it. Fantastic. And uh, it will really, really create a big shift in the market. Mm -hmm. for us and for our customers fantastic brilliant that's great well thank you very much for your time today um obviously you said if any of the listeners want to have you know find out a bit more they can go to your linkedin page the company linkedin page if are you happy for people to reach out to you directly as well if anyone's looking for um you know to discuss sort of um any potential mentoring or want any opportunity you know want to speak to you about any advice yeah, or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. Feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn, write me a message or connect with a message. And I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I do a lot of mentoring, not necessarily in, a, in an organized fashion, but uh, <laughs> I like to share knowledge. I like to, you know, learn about people's experiences and yeah. see if I can help them. And uh, which usually ends up being me being helped by them. Rather than helping them, it's two way though, isn't it? You know, like yeah, exactly. it's two way. You you know, you you bounce off other people and each other, and um, exactly, yeah, yeah, fantastic, brilliant. Well, thanks very much for your time today and sharing your valuable experiences. Um, I've really enjoyed talking to you. Me too. It was really lovely talking to you today. I really enjoyed it, and. Uh, Cool. I have to admire your hosting and uh, interviewing skills. Thank you very much oh, for that. Thank you. Thank you. That's great. I love giving feedback, as you said, and I, uh, I really am. Um, I'll take that one. <laughs> Thanks very much. Take care. Thanks for listening to our latest Let's Talk Leadership, the Culture Edit Reloaded podcast. If you are a leader interested in being on the hot seat, contact me via LinkedIn. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Take care and see you all soon.